How many of you are excited to be here today? I like to over-prepare, so just in case you have two hours, I can still keep going. But if you have to, if you have to go home, I don't mind being the last one here. Uh, wow, where do I start? I'm so excited because uh, we've now we're getting some sleep in the house. The baby is about two months old. So, uh, and she's sleeping all night, so glory to God. We don't have to have some uh, midnight shifts or anything like that. So, I'm fresh. <laughs> I feel fresh. <laughs> so, if you don't mind, let's dig in. I'm talking about the kingdom of God. And what is driving me to this message so heavily is because... As you study the Word of God, you realize that as much as there was a lot going on in Jesus' time, Rome was trying to be the strongest empire. The Jews were looking for a king. They're looking for someone to come and relieve them of the Roman abuse. The land they had wasn't theirs. That's why most of them are peasants. They have no food. They, everything that they had, Caesar was draining the life out of them. I mean, when sicknesses came, they didn't know where to go. The big cities like Sephoris and all those other big Mediterranean cities had already been aligned to the Roman way of doing things. And so the Jews' anticipation of the Messiah was supposed to come in a line that was going to be much more stronger than Caesar. He had to have an army that, would, that could defeat Rome. He had to have an, a presence. He had to have a, a, a way of speaking, a way to persuade people. He had to have a way of representation. And here Jesus shows up and he's none of those. He's actually comparing himself to a sheep. And here he comes and he says, the king is here. And people are like, no, 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 this is not the guy. Because there is no way a single person single-handedly. And then he picks a team of people that are not even from the city. They are from the same village he just grew up in. They've known him for 30 years. He's lived among them. He's done what they do. And they're like, are you sure? you're not a little cuckoo because the person you have to overtake so we can be free is actually miles away from here. He's ruling half the entire world. That's the kind of kingdom we're talking about. And Jesus is focused on a certain kind of kingdom that is not built by the hands of man. He's focused on a kingdom that if, that if this thing works the way he's teaching about it, it's supposed to change every single individual without casting a vote. It's supposed to be incorruptible, indestructible. That even during such challenging times of, of taxation being its highest, Jews being abused, killed, molested, I mean, all of these things happening, there's a message of the kingdom that Jesus is preaching that is supposed to be bringing a freshness to the believers in Israel, to the believers in Jerusalem. And funny enough, I, there were churches meeting in those days. Funny enough, 
There were church leaders in those days that did not understand Jesus' mission, even when they had the scriptures. Turn with me to the book of Acts chapter 3, verses 18. And I'm going to read, but, and I'm going to pick it up here in chapter 3 now. Peter has just been walking in the power of God. He's, he's gotten a sudden understanding of his identity that now the kingdom of God really is at work in him. And so he's beginning to walk in a whole different representation. He just healed a person who was, about, who was outside of, of the church. And instead of explaining the miracle and him getting the attention, this is how he explains it. He said, but those things which God foretold by the mouth of all his prophets... Remember when he says all his prophets, he's actually meaning the entire Old Testament, Genesis to Malachi. Everything that has been said about Jesus Christ, and here are some examples that he would suffer, has been fulfilled. And then here's what needs to happen. Repent, therefore, and be converted. In other words... There was something that was going on. There was a message that all the prophets have been writing since the beginning. God tells Abraham, I'm going to show you a city that has been built with no hands. I'm going to take you to a place, (laughs) and when you get there, I will let you know. He tells David, oh, by the way, I'm going to send my own temple. Out of your seed, this person will redeem my mission. And to me, that's a change of an operating system. Because ever since the man fell, his desire was to go back into God's presence. Even though man didn't know it, his desire was to live again under the care and guidance of the Father. And now... Here, Peter is saying, you know, everything that they've said in the Old Testament, throughout Scripture that Christ would suffer, has been fulfilled. To me, it's oxymoron here that people are asking him, how did you get the power to heal the leper? People are so interested in, Peter, how did you do this thing? Because remember what Peter said? What I have, I give unto you. Rise up and walk. If you ask me to explain that, and I want to be the hero of the day, I'll be like, you know what? I really pray. I fasted. I read the scriptures. And I sought the Lord. But that wasn't Peter's idea. Peter's like, you know, remember what the scriptures said? The guy that they said was going to die and he would suffer for us, that has been fulfilled. That's his explanation. I've gotten an understanding on the inside of me that I never had before as a fisherman. Because the first thing that happened to Peter after Jesus died, we all know he went back fishing. In other words, there's a way I have been used to feeding myself. There's a formula I have developed in growing. There's a way I know how my family's needs are met. That the moment they didn't understand the message of Christ, they went right back to what used to bring provision to them. I'll use another example. You see, when Moses is dealing with the children of Israel in the Bible, at one point God tells him, hit the rock and the water will come. 
And Moses takes a simple instruction. Hits the rock and the water comes. Another time, God tells him, Moses, speak to the rock and the water will come. Moses decides, how about I hit the rock twice? Did the miracle happen? Yes. But was God pleased with Moses? Another good example. Again, in the wilderness, they're about to start this journey. And God tells Moses, I've shown you a promised land. This is where my people are going to go. Let me ask you this. If you've been reading this, I pray you have because it's in Exodus. Uh, Moses decides to send a few spies to the, to the land of milk and honey. Whose idea was that? God still came through for his people even when they came up with ideas that made them feel safe and God still performed the miracle. God is, the whole time he's saying, I love you. I'm sending my son. The things I'm giving you do not build a theology on. There's something that God has been doing in our lives because he loves us, and we've decided to build our theologies on them. You know how you get blessed? You give your money. It's not a bad thing, but if your giving is not attached to the author of giving, my father is a giver, therefore I give, then the understanding of receiving becomes difficult because there's moments when you will give, and you may have to wait a little longer than you need the need to be met. How about when you pray for 18 years for a miracle and there's a slight break that you're going to wait a little longer? Does that mean God is not a giver anymore? So here's what Peter is using to explain. Is that do not pay attention to what just happened to the leper because what you're looking for is a formula on how to heal lepers. But what I want to give you, what Jesus has taught me is he suffered and he died and fulfilled and paid for every need you and I will ever have. It's confirmed in his word. And the very next thing he says, now what you have to do is readjust how you think. And it says, repent therefore, be converted that your sins may be blotted out so that the times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. I like to... If, if you have a pen, highlight times of refreshing. Because in the past, I always thought times of, re of refreshing were like when you go to prayer and something good happens, and like your hair on the neck stands up, and you feel like you're praying for hours. You started 30 minutes, and you got to an hour. You're like, that was refreshing. Or you read a scripture, and things jump off. I remember asking God, even when I read through the little translations, everybody was translating it as moments, instances. But if you put this in its context, what Peter is saying is what happened at the grave. The grave being empty should be refreshment for me for the rest of eternity, no matter what I'm going through. He said, every time I'm in a difficult situation, every time I don't understand what's going in, all I got to do is remember the grave is empty. 
All I got to remember that there was, an, there, was a, there was a man who died. There was a man who suffered who was fully God and fully man and redeemed me from everything that had me bound and set me free and lifted me up and set me in high places with Christ Jesus so that I may live the life that he desires in the world that he has put me in. In other words, I've been restored to family status. Family status now requires me to change the way I think. And this is what he's saying. And that he may send Jesus Christ, who was preached to you before, whom heaven must receive until the times of restoration of all things which God has spoken by the mouth of his holy prophets since the world began. And he ends with the mission. So you've got a refreshment that has brought you back to the family, which is the resurrection and ascension of Jesus Christ. And from that point, our work is to restore everything that the enemy has stolen from us. That's what I call the kingdom of God. It's the power of Christ at work in me. Because why? Now the word ascension no longer means God went up in the clouds. You know how in the book of Acts it says, and the disciples were like all gathered on, on Mount Carmel, and then Jesus disappeared, and then they looked up and saw two angels. For a long time, in my mind, that created a distance. Ascension meant, oh, he left and went somewhere in heaven, somewhere above. But if I told you that the word heaven actually means spiritual. The word earth means manifest. So that means the ascension was not an upward distance. The ascension was an absorption of the spiritual into the natural. And now that's why he's able to say, go ye into all the nations. This that I have taught you, go teach, and I will be with you. Actually, it says, and lo, I'll be with you always. That doesn't sound like a person who left. That doesn't, doesn't sound like a person who went vertically and disappeared in the clouds. It sounds like a person who says, now, I may not be with you physically, but I'm going to be with you spiritually. Now, I want to say this, because I, I believe this actually happened. When the Bible was made open so everybody could have it, and this is during the Reformation, so, I mean, Martin Luther, there was a great movement, and the Bible was made available to all of us. What instead happened, or what instead is happening, is we've become so excited about this and the microphone that we've lost the essence of the gospel. The Bible has turned into a piece of furniture now. You go to, re- you go to a, ho- a restaurant, you go to a hotel, you go to a lodge. The Bible is something you find on your nightstand, just laying there collecting dust. It's a piece of decoration and furniture. And majority of the people find it so difficult to read. And yet the purpose of the entire Reformation was so that every single one of us could have an access to the word of God as readily as possible. In other words, instead, 
He's where our minds come in, unrepentant minds. Now the pulpit has become the attraction and the Bible has become the furniture. And the kingdom of God has become this far outlandish idea that no believer can reach. That when we're sick or when we're going through difficult times, we, we are quick to confess the word in scripture only when we need it. For a person who said, I will be with you always. I will never leave you nor forsake you. I'm ever present no matter what you're going through. And for us to only need God in the moments when it hurts. God, there's COVID in the world. You must, you must do something. Can you imagine that there was church going on all through Jesus' life? And he comes on the scene and he's teaching people how to pray. He's coming to a culture of people that has been founded on prayer. They pray five times a day. And he shows up to those people and he says, this is how you pray. Let's take it even further. He meets the woman at the well, and he says, I'm seeking worshipers. And the woman says, I go to church every Sunday, and we worship at the mountain. And he says, no, 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 no. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm seeking true worshipers. In other words, something about their routine and how they were doing it was what was affecting what they were receiving. They were blaming God for what they were not receiving. And here is God bringing an answer. He's saying, what I need to change about you is on the inside of you. There's no amount of church that can make you ready for heaven. There's no amount of church that can make you ready for your miracle. You see, after the disciples got filled with the Holy Spirit, (laughs) they had no idea what was about to happen to them. Here's what I mean. They they thought they had experienced hate. They thought they had experienced persecution. They thought they had experienced, man, they left their work and they came to follow Jesus. Oh man, they thought they had gone through the biggest trouble, decision making of their life. Huh. (laughs) Watch out when you get filled with the Holy Spirit because you're going to attract some things. Now here they are, full of the Holy Spirit, raising the dead, healing the sick, I mean, moving mountains, speaking things that no man had ever seen. People got to the point of calling them that they were like Christ. That's where the word Christian came from. But wow, the hate, the amount of hatred that built up around them. The disturbance in the situation they were going through. I mean, Thomas and all these guys are being flogged every day. I remember at one point they pray, God, give us the boldness that we may continue to preach this gospel. At one point, they even ask, what happened to us since we believed? Why am I saying all of this? The gospel may take you the wrong side of the powers that be. 
You may be at the, at the wrong end of swords. You may be at the wrong end of flames. But you won't be on the wrong side of victory. I'll say that again. The gospel may put you at the wrong end of flames, at the wrong end of swords. <laughs> but that's actually the side of victory that the gospel has for us. You know how I know that? Because God doesn't make mistakes. Why am I saying all of this? I sense there's a generation that has to arise in this time. With a different speech. that no longer has Bibles as furnitures laying on the windowsill, but with a desire to understand what the scriptures are telling us for this generation and this time. I used to pray this prayer, God, you moved so greatly during Smith, Smith Wigglesworth's time. You moved so mightily in the Azusa revival. Why not now? You know what answer I got? David, you're not moving. There are some things they had to do that cost them everything for their season. If you read, there's a book called The God, God's Generals. And one of the guys in there is A.A. Allen. A.A. Allen got so touched in the early 60s by what was going on, the spread of all of this uh, antichrist messages of the movements happening and he goes down in, in his basement, gets in his closet, gets on his knees, shuts the door behind him and says, God, I'm not leaving this room until something in my heart has totally shifted about who you are for my generation, for my family. I, I'm not surprised God's looking for people like that. Even today, maybe it's no longer, you know, I love America because I'm learning how to use a microwave now. Yeah. I'm, I, I'm not the best cook ever, except the microwave has made me really good. Um, and so it becomes so easy that you can have a meal ready in two minutes and a half because it came already ready. It was just frozen. And you're even dragging your feet saying, oh, I gotta make this for the kids. Can't they just eat chips? Like, just open the bag, put it on the plate. It would not be okay. And we've gotten these patterns, and guess what? We apply them to prayer. Can't I just pray five minutes? God sees my heart. Yeah, guess what heart is seeing? The heart that doesn't wanna pray. Oh, God, I need you in my life. Come change me. And when he shows up and says, you need to stop doing that, you need to stop doing that, I was like, no, I didn't pray for that, God. I prayed for you to come in and just move things around in my life without me realizing it. <laughs> but um, isn't and those the kind of prayers we pray? We, we ask for God to come and move in a situation that we're in without us moving it or moving our finger at all. Like, God come in my finances, and I want to open my bank account, and everything has doubled up. God come and move with my children. I don't want to spend any time with them. 
But you, God, I'm giving them all to you, and I'm going to go stay busy on this side. And I want to see change over there. And if you come back tomorrow and they're still like, God, I prayed about this. And God's like, I blessed you where I blessed you because the only way some people are going to see my hand at work is when they see you walking in the obedience that I've allowed you to walk into it because of my ascension into the spirit and dwelling on the inside of you. In other words, you become God's kingdom for the environment he's called you in. Actually, I want to keep going backwards. Let's go to Acts chapter 3, 1 through 7. Now Peter and John went up together to the temple at the hour of prayer. Oh, the ninth hour. This was a Sunday evening to me. I mean, ninth hour sounds like it was like 3 p.m. or 5 p.m. A sudden man, lamb from his mother's womb, was cared whom they had laid daily at the gate of the temple, which was called Beautiful, to ask for alms from those who entered the temple. Who, seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, asked for alms, and fixing his eyes on him, with John, Peter said, look at us. So he gave them his attention, expecting to receive something from them. Then Peter said, silver and gold, I have none. But what I do have, I give you. In the name of Jesus of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand. Underlining that one. He didn't just speak. He moved and lifted him up. And immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. Notice something about this scripture. Church has, had been going on for months. This was a pattern of life. Here's a man who desired the kingdom of God at work in his life, but did not desire what happened on the inside of the church. He needed the work of God in him, but for a long time he's been coming. He's like, you know what? I don't want what's on the inside either. Do you know they were having church with the holies of holies? You know the place at the front of the church? Behind the priest, covered with a carton, mimicking that the presence of God was still back there. This is after the resurrection, people. Priests and Pharisees are still going on everyday function of church like it was before. And people are coming in numbers hoping to receive from this king of kings, this lord of lords, that they've come so normal and normalized by what church looked like that they decided if we come outside of the church where most of these people go, then we'll get more than going on the inside and receiving what they talk about. I don't know. I'm not describing Gray's life at all. I'm just describing our hearts, that we've become, maybe we're like this leper. We've become so comfortable at receiving from everybody else around us. And yet God is saying, no, 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 no. I want one-on-one time with you. 
our sickness, our paralysis, our scars, our wounds, instead of drawing us into the true source of who Christ is, instead we've found places where we can go and camp and begin to beg it, demand it from people that have something to give. And our eyes have shifted from the source of life to whoever can give me the next day's meal. And maybe that's your pastor, maybe that's your parents, maybe that's whoever it is, maybe that's your job, but those things don't go away until you meet a person who understands how the kingdom of God operates. Because they will know what I have will not change you. But what he has put in me is contagious enough that if I share it with you, you won't have to come back to me a second time. This man has been like this from his mother's womb. I don't know how old he was, but he was going to this church for quite some time. I was going to church for the earlier days of my 14 years, mute. I still went to church. And I remember the pain of seeing other people receive and me not receive. Maybe that's the pain that pushed this guy outside. I don't know what pain you're going through. I don't know what you might be experiencing that may put you in a situation of, of this nature. You see, if what you know about the word of God is not affecting the way you walk, you are not growing. If what I know about the word of God is just so I can talk the walk, not walk the talk, it's going to be a difficult life. You know how long it takes? A friend of mine asked me the other day, David, how long have you been going to church? I said, as long as I can remember. How many messages have you heard? I said, millions. How many of those have changed your life? Uh... Ask yourself that. If you've been going to church for over 40 years, I can guarantee you a message of 45 minutes plus every Sunday, plus the ones you read in books every month, plus everything that you've had. If there was a change that those things could make in of themselves in your life, you wouldn't be here. You would be writing your own book, preaching your own message. You would be teaching somebody else how to follow Christ. That's how I know how I gauge whether what I know is affecting the way I'm walking. When COVID comes and I'm the first person, I ain't going to socialize with nobody. I'm going to lock myself in. It's good to be wise about these things. A death happens. A man, it's like you're pulling everything out of yourself to just get back to the place where God needs you to be. In other words, if your conduct, it's not actually, it's not your conduct that needs, that changes you, but rather Christ taking residence in you. In other words, trouble is going to come. You live long enough, 
There's three kinds of people in this world. They're the ones about to get into trouble, the ones in trouble, and the ones getting out of trouble about to get into some more trouble. And some of us have survived upon the miracles of other people. Here's what I mean. When, when God parted the Red Sea, there were unbelievers who walked on paved ground in the Red Sea. When Joshua parted the, the River Jordan, there were unbelievers that parted and walked through the Jordan, enjoying the life and miraculous movement of God because there were people that were obedient for that time. You know how I know that? Where did the golden calf come from? Those are people that crossed the Red Sea. And here we're in a season where we're seeing the greatness of God amidst death. The greatness of God amidst war. The greatness of God amidst, this is, the, I was reading the other day, the divorce rate in our era is double what it was a decade ago. But does that mean there is no faithful marriages? There's something that God is still doing, whether our hearts are transformed or not. But our hope comes from being totally grounded, not by what we do on the outside, but what Christ is doing on the inside of us. He chose to dwell in us, to build a kingdom in us. In other words, being born again changes who you are. Learning the kingdom changes your habits. Jesus says, come unto me, all you who are weary and heavy laden. And I'll give you rest. Take my yoke. It's easy. Learn of me. What is he meaning? In other words, full Holy Spirit, yes. For a long time, you know, when, whenever people would say, you know, the Bible says that God, Jesus emptied himself of heaven. And then they say he was, he was, he was just a man on the earth. I'm like, no, you missed something. If he was just a man on the earth, who was his father? Why would he be trying to make us like him if he was just a man like us without anything special about it? How would his blood cleanse us of our sins if he was just human as we truly are? This is where how we read the Bible makes a big difference because if John is saying that he was 100% man and 100% God, he's meaning there was a unity of the supernatural and the natural walking in flesh. What is Jesus trying to do for us? He's trying to unite us from just living in the flesh, unite us with the supernatural, reunited so we can live faithfully and strong in this earth. When you see a man like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego saying, if you put us in the fire, it will either burn us or it won't. That man has had an encounter with God that's uncommon. When you see a person like Daniel saying, if you put me in the lion's den, it will, the lion will either eat me or it won't. He's not trying to be like, God, save me from the lion's den. He didn't speak in tongues all night long. It says he just sat there and the angels came and blocked the mouth of the lions. And actually he ended up petting them. If you realize Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, the people that threw them in the fire actually got burned. 
Do you see anybody in the outcry of God, save me from the fire? Actually, the king himself who was so heathen looked in the fire and says, didn't we put in three guys? It was like, yep. How come I see four? And the other one, he could tell the difference. He could tell the other person wasn't just flesh as usual. And yet all four were not burning. So how do you see four men in the middle of a fire, but you can tell the difference that there was one in there who was kind of unique from everybody else? What was it? It was the Spirit of God content being reflected through the flesh. And that's, I think to me those are mirror images of Jesus in our situations now. Maybe you're going through something, you think it's, oh man, this is intangible. God, I need you to move now. Actually, God, I need you to move yesterday. God, I need something that's going to change me from the inside out, and this better work this time. Because your word says, ask and you shall receive, seek and you shall find. So I'm asking, are you going to do it? And maybe God is saying, no, 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 it's not me doing. You have a whole ruling kingdom on the inside of you. How about you get into the situation and say, you know what? I ain't going to tell you about anything else. I'm just going to tell you about my God. You didn't come to me by surprise. He knew you would. But guess what? This is not meant to put me down. This is meant to strengthen me. This is what works. Here's what I'm trying to talk about. It's not prayer that brings power, but rather Christ in us. Prayer accesses what Christ has made available. Faith accesses what Christ has made available. Fasting accesses what Christ has made available. That's why when Jesus was saying, when you pray, he wasn't saying that they were not praying. The reason why you're not seeing effectiveness after you've prayed, let me show you how to fix it. Pray like this. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. And if you look at it now, in our days, maybe that prayer has to change a little bit. Because he was teaching them until the kingdom has come. Maybe now it's our Father who art in heaven. Hallowed be thy name. Your kingdom has come. Your will has been done. Here on earth. Why? Because now if I'm the ambassador of heaven, I'm operating on some different kind of rules. I'm bringing heaven's Immunity. I'm bringing heaven's way of operation here in this earth. I'm not going to operate like they ask me to. I'm going to operate like God instructs me to instruct. In other words, how is the will of God going to be accomplished in this earth? Everybody point yourself and say, me. <laughs> say that like you mean it. Don't you like it? <laughs> so what happens when you're downcast? What happens when, when everything seems to be going wrong. David always said, I count my blessings. I remind myself of all that you have done. Your mercies are new every morning. Your grace, your steadfast love never ceases. For a man who is saying those kind of things, he must be going through some things that are causing him to be like, God, great is your faithfulness. I'm meeting some, something in my life that's not moving. God, you move mountains. I'll lift my eyes up to the mountain. Do you th I think he was really looking at the mountains. 
Maybe he was looking at issues in, in his life in Psalms 121. He says, I lift up my eyes to the hills. Where does my help come from? So in other words, when God's kingdom is at work in us, it's not your conduct that makes your body the temple of the Holy Spirit, but what Christ has done. I know I'm going backwards here. I started at where he was explaining the miracle. I went back to where the miracle happened. And now I want to take you slightly back. Let's go back to the upper room. Because this Peter here seems to be progressing really fast. And you forget, you could easily forget that everything he had not understood for three years in Jesus' ministry of, over him now is becoming fruit because of one moment that happened. Peter had an encounter with God in this room up there, and this is where you could, you could go several directions about what happened in the upper room. Here's what I truly believe. One of just examples here, when people say speaking in tongues. I believe in that upper room, there was speaking in tongues and interpretation of tongues all at once, and prophecy, and words of knowledge, and words of wisdom. There was a full demonstration of the teaching of the Holy Spirit through a human being. How do I believe that? Because Corinthians says, 1 Corinthians 12, it says, when we speak in tongues, nobody understands but God, right? So that means, when chapter 2 is saying that they were speaking in tongues, and these guys thought they were drunk, that was right. But if you keep going, they said, and we had them speaking in tongues of men. All of a sudden, what wasn't understandable became understandable. So there was an interpretation of tongues from the same room where the tongues were happening. Why did that happen? There were unbelievers outside. And Peter, realizing that there was a need of God to move outside of the room where he was, he steps out of the room and it says he preaches a message. If you get a chance, read that message. He's not preaching about what happened in the room. He's telling him the Jesus that you crucified, the Jesus that you killed, the one that you denied, the one who died and now is risen. Actually, he, he was prophesied before him by Prophet Joel that these things would happen on this day, that you might be saved. Period. And 5,000, 3,000 people give their life to Jesus that day. He actually said the same thing, repent and be converted. I don't know what God is telling you tonight, but I want to hint on three things. I have two minutes left. I want to hint on three things that happened in the upper room. Go to Colossians 1.18. It says, and he is the head of the body, the church. Who, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he may have preeminence. Here's what happened. The Holy Spirit indwelling their bodies. The church now has God's Spirit in them. That's the first thing that just happened up there. A union between the supernatural and the natural happened up in that room.
I'm letting it sink in because I want you to take a moment and realize that you are not yourself anymore. You are part of the family of God. I'm not saying that you are God, no. But you are part of the family of God. His spirit, the Bible says the same spirit that rose Christ from the dead is alive in you today. So let's keep going. That's one of them. So the second one is 1 Corinthians 12, 13. For by one spirit we were all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, and have all been made to drink into one spirit. So it's not what God wants to do with an individual. It's what God wants to do with the, with the church body. You know, the people that say, I can have church all by myself. I don't have to be in the building to have church. I don't have to be with other people to have church. Yeah, you may be right. But are you going to be pastor, apostle, teacher, encourager, uh, prophet, all to yourself? Because if the church has gifts and you're saying that you are the church all by yourself and you can have church all by yourself, what you're truly saying is maybe you don't need the Bible because if you read the Bible, you're interacting with other people who read the Bible and interpreted it for you. In other words, there's a reason why we have church. I come here to get sharpened. I come here to get an awareness. I come here to feel what you're carrying. I come here to to get a sense of present God. I'm not the only one going through what I'm going through. And I'm not thinking just for that, but what I'm going through can encourage somebody else depending on what they're going through. I can read the Bible and understand what's happening in one instance. But if I don't understand it, I'm open to come and ask Pastor Jesse, man, what does this scripture mean? I'm out of time. I better keep going. So there was a recreation of the spirit, man. Eternal life became available. (laughs) All of a sudden, it was in reach. Can you imagine Peter leaving the upper room thinking, I'm indestructible? The man who was so afraid to stand by Jesus during the crucifixion, I was like, whatever you want to do to me, do to me. Kill me, whatever you want. But this gospel that I have, if you read First John, he's like, that that we have touched, that we have seen, that we have experienced, the fellowship with the Father. Now, where did he get the Father idea from? Remember when Jesus told him in the gospels that what you have answered, when he asked him, who do you say that I am? He says, the Father revealed that to you. Now here, when you read the first book of John, he's like, no, no, I didn't just experience it, I didn't just touch it, but I had fellowship with the Father. He has, be, has become, he, there's an awareness that has not made him immune to how he was going to die. To the point that John is, in the, is at the island of Patmos, some theologians have, have written he's in a boiling oil and he's writing the book of Revelation saying, this is the demonstration of the love of Jesus. And he said, and I looked into heaven. I mean, shouldn't the oil burning be more present? Shouldn't the pain be subduing your revelation of Jesus? Or, or let's go slightly back. Stephen, he's being stoned, and it says, and he's looking into heaven, and he sees a staircase. Angels going up and down. I'm like, God, is, there, is the kingdom supposed to be painkiller? Because 
I haven't achieved that level yet. But do you ask yourself those kind of questions? Paul is, he said, I've been crushed, persecuted, pressed, I mean, left for dead. And he says, and I got up and I shook the dust off and I went back. It makes me want to be like, God, what level of knowing you do I need to get to? Because just mere missing dinner makes me complain and say, wife, you don't care me. You don't care about me. You don't love me. I worked all day. I came home and there was no food. The kids ate it all. Why didn't you save me some? I'm so confused. But whether this and the other. When I put myself in any of their lines, I realize, God, help me know you. Help me that when my character changes, it's because I know how to get what I want. When my character changes, it's in spite of that. God, I just want to know you for who you truly are. No wonder the prayer says, Our Father who art in heaven. And I'll finish with this. Ephesians 1, 9 to 10. Having made known unto us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in himself, that in the dispensation of the fullness of times he may gather together in one all things in Christ Jesus, both which are in heaven and which are on earth in him. That one may need a whole other service to tear down, but all I'm saying is this. If the kingdom of God isn't in the heart of man, then it's no different from any other kingdom. We've seen man invent ideas. Marxism, capitalism, communism, socialism. What are they trying to fix? The whole? Now you keep going to all these isms. And now we've figured out gender could fix us. Now we're playing around with gender and all this kind of stuff. Now we've, now we've come, maybe race could be a solution. Let's just deal with all the wounds that the race has caused us. And now here we are. And yet God is saying that all of these things are supposed to gather in him. Can you imagine when Rome attacked Israel, Jerusalem at the time? They were coming against all the revolts, all the, all the Jewish revolts that were rising up, trying to overtake the Roman rulership in Jerusalem, they all got defeated. Who didn't get defeated? <laughs> the loudest of them, Jesus, <laughs> with his little crew of 12 people. They didn't even do much about it. It's until the people of his own nation, the people he was called to, decided that if we choose him, we're toast. And they chose to save themselves so the rest of the world could be saved. Here's what I'm saying. At the core, kingdom work is God's work in man. You could listen to 20,000, 7 million messages. But do you know why it takes so long for us to keep growing in the faith? This guy loves formulas. And it seems like all the kingdom of God is trying to do is break formulas. This is how you get healed. Jesus never did a miracle the same way two times all through the Gospels. Jesus never prayed in the same place several times. 
Jesus never visited some cities more than once. And sometimes he told them, don't even tell anybody I was here. Your miracle, don't even testify about it. Because why? Part of me thinks because he knew they were going to mistake the kingdom of God for the fruit. Your healing did not come because you desired it so much. I've been suffering with, for 18 years with my back, and then I met Jesus, and my back pain went away. Well, that's good. But what Jesus was trying to preach to you is the Father in heaven loves you so much and has been loving you through this and has been right there present with you. Maybe the, what needs to change is how you pray, how you fast, how you express yourself. Get up on your feet for a moment because I want us to pray together, all together. Because my desire for this message about the kingdom of God today is for God to minister, but through his spirit, through us to the people around us, that when they see you and I, they say, I've come closer to God than yesterday. You said a few words, and they dug deep into my heart. In other words, I'm going to pray for everybody I'm going to encounter before I encounter them. God, I thank you that tomorrow is going to be a great day. God, I thank you. Is there something I need to know about what you're about to bring into my life today? Let there be some wise people that speak words of knowledge into my life. I pray for every single person. By the way, I'm praying already. <laughs> so if you're just watching me, <laughs> I want you to pray over yourself. God, I thank you that there, you're raising up a generation in this time that is not afraid to say, God, you are our Father, you provide, and you heal. And in this room, we agree together. That there's better things you're doing on the inside of us, Lord. There's scars that are being healed. There's wounds that are being healed. There's relationships that are being healed right now. Because you always expected somebody else to change. There's families that are going to be reunited because of this. Lord, I pray that we walk in forgiveness because you have taught us to forgive and your forgiveness is in us. I pray, Lord, heavenly God, that we walk in peace because you are the Prince of Peace. Your kingdom is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost, Lord. I thank you, Father, that we're walking in that joy on the inside of us, Lord, that it's oozing out of us, that in our brokenness, it's instead an opportunity to leak your presence in the situation that we're in. That your presence is actually your ascension into our hearts. And so, God, search our hearts deep within, Lord. May you put a guard on our mouth that the words that come out of our mouth may be acceptable. May the thoughts of our mind be acceptable in your sight. I thank you for the blood that you shed on the cross for our sins. And I thank you that as we grow we grow in loving you and becoming one with you, becoming one with another. Father Jesus, you prayed that we may be one like you and the Father are one. You and him, him and us, and us and you, Lord. I thank you, Holy Spirit, because we're stronger than we've ever been. I thank you for your signs, miracles, and wonders that are happening even right now at the mention of your name. I pray for anybody encountering any form of sickness, lack, provision in any form 
that they may know that your kingdom is alive and well even in this time. I thank you. I thank you for miracles of people healed from COVID. I thank you for miracles of people healed from cancer. I thank you for miracles of people healed from whatever it may be, Lord. Because your kingdom is at work in us. And as we grow, may we plant ourselves in the river of your Holy Spirit. That we may be fruitful in season and out of season. Through your mighty name, Father God, I pray. Amen.